brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Now, on Palmer. On Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. This is on Palmer. Welcome in, Hunt Palmer coming to you from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge studio downtown in the capital city on a Thursday. Hope your Thursday's off to a good start. Warm week here in Baton Rouge. Gonna get some rain here, I believe, over the weekend, but I'm good with warm weather. I promise you that. I don't complain in July and August when it's 100. I will complain in January and February when it's 30. I'll do just fine with 75 and 80 today. Hope your week's going well. We're getting close to the weekend. We're with you for the next two hours. Going to get you caught up on some SEC baseball over the last couple of nights. Sharif Ishak, usually with us on Tuesdays, had his Mardi Gras coverage, had a press conference he had to be at yesterday. So we bump him back to Thursday to talk some Saints as well as some Pelicans. Uh, in hour number two, pumped up to get some SEC basketball from last night. And, of course, Joe Healy from D1 Baseball's SEC Extra team. He will be in Oxford and Starkville this coming weekend. So we'll talk with Joe in his normal weekly spot about what he saw from the SEC over the weekend and what he's expecting this weekend from the Southeastern Conference. But we will start with a basketball win. Hey, I was excited last night. I did not go, got home, wife made it pretty clear that she was tired from hanging out with a little man all day. I thought I can handle dinner and bath time today. We'll take a rain check on basketball and we'll watch it on TV. But I did enjoy the fact that they won the game. 84-77 was the final, Tigers over Vanderbilt. And, And so I think what's important, at least for me, in talking about this game today, it's not about program building. It's not about any future implications for Saturday or the next two weeks or the Matt McMahon era. It's not about a trend that has changed, that's moving in the right direction, riding the ship, whatever cliche you want. to. It's not about any of that. This is about 20, 25 guys, people, the players, the coaches, the strength staff, the GAs, the director of player personnel. It's about that tight-knit group of people for the first time in 56 days feeling good about a win. They have not won since December the 28th. 56 days of getting up and going to work out 
and running sprints and going to study hall and getting on the plane to go sleep in the hotel to play another game and then fly back all the while going to class. None of that's positive when things have gone the way they have gone for six weeks for this team. Good on them. I hope they felt great about what they did last night. If you were listening to Charlie's show just an hour ago, you heard him kind of give all the the things we were looking for in year one of the Matt McMahon era. And all of what he said was true. I listened to every word of it. I'm not focusing on that stuff today. Today was about those guys winning a game. And I think we can let it slide as a fan base. Okay, they're not going to go to the tournament. They're not going to go to the NIT. They haven't won a game in seven weeks. I'm watching baseball. I'm playing golf. I'm going fishing. I don't care about that. I'm not even watching. We can do that. We can tune out. This is their life. And I'm not trying to boil all of them down to just basketball, but it's the vast majority of their existence from November through March. That's a rough existence when you cannot get a win on the board. So I'm so excited for them last night to have gotten that done. Now we'll talk about it. The bad news for LSU is that to win a game, basically, you need K.J. Williams and Adam Miller to be great. Options two, three, four, five, not necessarily going to get it done. We've seen games this year where Derek Fountain went for 25-plus. We saw Cam Hayes on Saturday have a really nice scoring game. But for LSU to win, Williams and Miller probably are going to have to carry the majority of the load. The good news, they did. K.J. Williams, in this season of loss after loss after loss, has really been good. He really has been an excellent player. Last night, he was a star. He went 13 of 25 from the floor. He made five of his 10 threes. He had 10 rebounds, only turned the ball over one time, and it was obvious they were really trying to get him the ball, so he only had one turnover. That's huge. He hit a huge three with six minutes and 48 seconds to go to stretch the lead to 10 in the second half and hit basically the backbreaker, as was said on the telecast, with 56 seconds to go to put LSU from up four to up seven. He was playing hard. He was emotional. He was playing great. He was sensational. And he's been really good all year. But he put the team on his back last night and gave you a career performance for a guy who's played in a lot of college basketball games. He played 36 minutes, gave you 35 points. Just brilliant from start to finish. And you knew that was in there. And I thought Adam Miller was awesome. The stats aren't eye-popping. But I thought he changed the way he played a little bit last night, and it looked really good. He only took four threes last night. We've seen plenty of times where he's put up 12, 13 threes and made two or three of them. He only took four threes. And from two-point range, he wasn't great statistically from two. He was three of six. Now, one of them was that awesome left-handed finish over Robbins, who's been blocking everything in sight. And Miller gets to his left hand, gets to the block, and puts it up off the glass. But he's just three of six from two-point range. Not eye-popping. But he got to the line. He shot 10 free throws. 
and he made nine of them. He played downhill last night. He really hasn't done much of that all year. I, I, I looked at the statistics in the middle of December, in the middle of January, and kind of looked at where things were, and all he was doing was just shooting a bunch of threes, which if you're knocking down 42% of them, fire away. But Miller wasn't, and it's not as if he can't put the ball on the floor. I just didn't think he did enough of it throughout the course of this year. Last night, he did. He didn't settle for every jump shot that was available. He took it to the basket and and made made some shots around the rim and certainly cashed in from the free throw. And when the dust had settled, he had scored 18 points in his 33 minutes. He grabbed five rebounds, dished three assists out, and I thought was was excellent. So the two guys that LSU has really needed to be its offensive catalysts were that last night. And then as a whole, you look at the rest of the role players. And I thought, nice job. Tyrell Ward, he shot the ball three times. He made all three. He had a fast break layup, and he had a couple threes. He was two of two from the three. That was all he shot. 18 minutes, he took three shots. Nice job. He didn't turn the ball over either. Trey Hannibal did not take a shot. Got to the free throw line a little bit. Grabbed five rebounds. And when he was out there on the floor, even though he didn't take a shot, his plus minus was very good. Plus 15. Best on the team. Look at what you got from Sean Phillips. He didn't take a shot either. Only played 10 minutes, but he grabbed a couple of rebounds. He had an assist, which was a nice little pass around the block. And he and Jalen Reed, I'm not suggesting this is a great thing, but here's the deal. They had nine fouls between the two of them. K.J. Williams didn't have a foul. Those guys have got to be down there contesting shots, Banging bodies. Robbins is a big guy. Vanderbilt's got some guys that want to get to the rim. I'm not trying to totally blow smoke and tell you that those two guys having nine fouls in 25 minutes is some sort of huge contribution to the team, but I'm suggesting to you those guys had a role. You need to be physical around the rim against a team with a lot of older players who are physical, and we can't have K.J. Williams taking all the contact. Roles. You don't have a bunch of stars. you got to play some roles, and they did. And then one thing that happened last night that I've just kind of been hoping for each and every time that LSU takes the floor, maybe some shots don't go in for the other team. Maybe it's not like what Vanderbilt did, sorry, what uh, South Carolina did to LSU in the first half on Saturday. Maybe it's not like Missouri did to LSU in the first half in Columbia. Maybe it's not like Alabama did in the first half against LSU in Tuscaloosa, where they just made everything in sight and the lead got to a point you couldn't couldn't shrink it. Vandy, of course, as is tradition, jumped out to an immediate seven-point lead on LSU, just like most people have. Seems like LSU can't get to the first media timeout without being down 10. They were down seven quick, but then Vandy hit a drought, and they missed 10 straight shots over 10 minutes. That's the kind of thing LSU needs every once in a while. Some, some of it was good LSU defense, some of it was just missing some shots. And it's a shot-making sport, as I've said a lot of times. And Vandy had a stretch there where LSU could build a lead, and they did when they missed 10 in a row. We'll take it gladly. Thank you. Just good for the Tigers last night to, to feel that feeling. And again, it doesn't suggest 
that Matt McMahon's finally gotten through to the team. It doesn't suggest they've turned a corner. It doesn't suggest they're going to play awesome on Saturday. It doesn't suggest this year's been a success or it's moving in the right direction. All it means is for two hours, those guys went out there, played really hard, put 84 points on the board, and won a basketball game. And that's the most important thing from yesterday. Because we as fans can't really put ourselves in the shoes of some of these players when you realize how bad things have gone for seven weeks. It was powerful to me on this show on Tuesday talking to Matthew Bernie and Glenn West and them saying that Cam Hayes teared up in the postgame press conference on Saturday. You can say anything you want about the way this season has gone. You can't change my mind on hearing something like that. This matters to these guys. And when this dust settles on this season, they won't have won any championships. They won't have contended for any championships. But for two hours last night and whatever time they enjoyed after the game was over, hell yeah, man. Good for y'all. I was so, so hoping they would not go the rest of the schedule without winning a game. It's just one of those deals where, again, you can tell me that that doesn't matter to you as a fan or whatever, but you won't convince me that it's not important to those guys. And I, that, to me, was the biggest takeaway from, from yesterday. 84-77, the final. Tigers beat Vanderbilt. Sharif Ishak's going to be with us in about 15 minutes. Um, Will Lutz took a pay cut today. Uh, Alvin Kamara, there's now been new video release since we got off the air yesterday of some interviews that Alvin Kamara uh, did or some video from the car he was in after the fight had happened. So um, we'll get Sharif's thoughts on some of that as well as the Pelicans. Excited to talk to Joe Healy in an hour about some SEC baseball. So plenty, plenty to get to here on a Thursday edition of the Hunt Palmer Show. This is Hunt Palmer. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Get you some uh, some headlines here, some talking points from SEC baseball and midweek action this week. Um, some pretty interesting stuff going down. Some of the upsets we saw on Tuesday night. Uh, there were a few. Louisiana Monroe uh, jumped all over Mississippi State, beat them 11 to five. It was 10 to nothing at one point. Central Arkansas uh, beat Vanderbilt up in Nashville. Uh, Will Davis's squad, the Lamar Cardinals, took out Texas A&M on Tuesday by the final score of 7-4. to four. Um, So those were kind of the upsets. Grambling was really giving Arkansas all they wanted in uh, Fayetteville, but uh, Arkansas won that game 9-7. to seven. Then we go to uh, yesterday's action, and it was uh, fairly jaw-dropping uh, from a scoreboard perspective. Outside of South Florida scoring seven runs in the ninth, to beat Florida. You heard that right. Seven runs in the ninth inning to beat Florida. The score was uh was eight to three. Eight to yeah, eight to three. And South Florida scored seven runs to make it ten to eight. South Florida. Florida would add a run in the ninth, but uh, South Florida did beat the Gators ten to nine. Outside of that game, South Florida and Florida, the rest of the SEC games, if tallied up, were SEC 72, others 5. It was a bloodbath elsewhere. Mississippi State crushed UL Monroe 14-3. South Carolina beat some school called Queens, which I think is North Carolina, 12-0. Uh, Alabama beat Tennessee Martin 10-0. Uh, 
Uh, Alabama, uh, Tennessee beat Alabama A&M 23-1, and Vanderbilt beat UAB 13-1. The one thing that I want to mention about the Mississippi State-UL Monroe game yesterday, uh, when I got off, finished with my show, went back to my desk and fired up uh, Watch ESPN to watch a little bit of Mississippi State, uh, understanding that ULM had beaten them the night before. And Mississippi State started a pitcher by the name of Gerangelo Sanja. Uh, you may have heard his name. If you were listening to T-Bob this morning, you would have heard his name. I, I was familiar with the name. Had not seen him pitch yet. Gerangelo Sanja pitches with both arms. He wears a glove on the mound that he can switch from his left hand to his right hand, and he pitches to each batter depending on which hand they hit with. Now, I haven't. I know the rule... If you are a, if there's a switch hitter and a switch pitcher, you have to establish at the beginning of the at bat where you're going to pitch from and what side you're going to hit from. I don't know who gets precedent there, but for all the guys that just hit from one side of the plate, Sanja gets to change hands at bat to at bat. Now he can't throw one pitch to you right-handed and one pitch to you left-handed. He has to establish, okay, you're hitting right-handed. I'm throwing right-handed. Here we go. And let me tell you this: in watching him yesterday. This is not a gimmick whatsoever. Gerangelo Sanjo was up to 96 miles an hour right-handed, and it looks smooth, and it is running, and he can throw a breaking ball, and it is good stuff. And from the left side, he was up to 92, and he can spin a breaking ball that way too. He's a legitimate SEC pitcher from both arm slots. And yesterday against ULM, he threw four innings, Gave up one hit and no runs, struck out seven. And I was impressed. I was I was as impressed with the stuff as I was that he could throw from both hands. So it's not like, oh man, he's this two-handed pitcher. Man, he can throw 85 miles an hour with both hands. Wow. Nah. He would be every bit as effective a pitcher if he only could pitch with one arm. He is that good. Um, so for those that uh, are interested in some SEC baseball, Gerangelo Sanja is a guy that uh, I would give a strong look to. Now, however, State may have a little bit of an issue pitching and playing defense because if you'll remember over the weekend, they had a game get away from them, and they've given up now double-digit runs in two of their four, in two of their five games. So I, right now... It's way too early to draw sweeping judgments. But just looking at the roster that Mississippi State has, the proven commodities that they have, what they were last year, and what I feel about them right now, I just don't think it's a great baseball team. I think they could be good. But do I think they're worse than A&M? I do. Do I think they're worse than Arkansas? I do. Do I think they're worse than LSU? I do. And you start to go to the others... Do I think they're worse than Ole Miss? We'll see what happens with Hunter Elliott, but I do. Do I think they're worse than Alabama? I do. And I think they're right there with Auburn, who I don't know is, is going to be great this year. Now, it's, again, way too early. At this point last year, I would have told you that Auburn and, and Texas A&M weren't very good and that Mississippi State was probably going to be good. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they had just won a national championship, but that would have been wrong on all three accounts because Auburn and A&M were good. And Mississippi State was not. So I don't I don't have an, a ton of conviction with this. It's just 
the way I feel very, very early having watched a little bit of this. And, and for Mississippi State to not, to me, have one of their, their top-level aces that they've had in the past and then to, to have struggled the way they did in two of the five games to get lower-level teams out, I think it's trouble. But I think Sanja is going to have something to say about this. Uh, if you were looking for Gerangelo Sanja videos on the internet and you're like, well, how do you spell Sanja? Well, it's not the way you think you would spell it. Sanja is spelled C-I-J-N-T-J-E. C-I-J-N-T-J-E, Sanja. <laughs> but he's no joke on the mound. That's a tough name to pronounce, but he can really, really go on the mound. Excited to get uh, Joe Healy's thoughts coming up from D1 Baseball. We'll chat with him at uh, at 2.15 every Thursday about the, the state of the league. And I want his thoughts on Tennessee's perceived struggles out there in in the West. I want his thoughts on Gerangelo Sanja. Uh, I want his thoughts on what we're going to see this coming weekend as LSU heads out to uh, to Round Rock to play Kansas State, Iowa, and Sam Houston. Uh, and lastly, uh, I'm excited to hear what his anticipation level is. He is a D1 baseball guy. He's a college baseball guy. He's a great content and does an awesome job following the conference. He's never been to Starkville or Oxford, and he's going to make both of those stops this weekend uh, as beat writers or, or, or national writers are prone to do this time of year to kind of jump to a couple of games over the weekend. And so I, I, I can't say enough positive stuff about our, about Starkville and Oxford for baseball weekends. For a football weekend, Starkville doesn't work for me. It's too small. It's too hard to park. I don't love the stadium. It's just a cluster for football weekends. You're trying to pack 100,000 people onto campus. It doesn't work. For baseball, when you're trying to pack 25,000 in, maybe a little bit less than that, it works great. And I've had a, a great time uh, covering baseball series up in Starkville. Same thing for Oxford. I think their environment's fantastic. I love uh, love the square, uh, the restaurants, and the bars. So curious to get uh, get Joe's thoughts on that entire scene. But wanted to briefly touch on a few SEC baseball talking points here as we move forward on a Thursday. Um, SEC basketball update coming up at 2 o'clock. Joe Healy again at 2.15. On three has uh, ranked the SEC quarterbacks. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Entering next season, I'll give you my thoughts on their ranking coming up at 2.30. When we come back, it'll be old Sharif Ishaq from WDSU. He's been a busy guy uh, over the last couple of days, but he's going to have a chat with us here coming up. I want to remind you this February, 104.5 ESPN and Citizens Bank and Trust are here to offer you a holiday rebate to the tune of $2,000 in cash. We'll also be selecting a local prize winner to receive $1,000 in cash. You can sign up now at 104.5 ESPN. Dot com. Back with Sharif Ishaq on the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. One Bath and Closets. OneBathandClosets.com is the website. Spring cleaning. That's the cliche, right? Got to get your house in order in the spring. Well, why don't you let David Duvall and his team help you with your closet? You've got winter coats everywhere that you're about to put up, but you don't have any room for them. you got shoes all over the place. You don't have quite enough room for all the things that you need day to day. Let David Duvall and his team come in, give you a free consultation on what goes into the closet designing process. They'll tell you, okay, here's what we can do based on your needs, and they'll customize a solution for you. And the best part, tell them the Hunt Palmer Show sent you from 104.5 ESPN. They're not going to charge you to rip out your current closet or the install of the new unit. They're just going to pay cost, charge you for the price of that new unit. And if you could use a new, more functional, more beautiful, aesthetically pleasing bathroom, David Duvall and his team at One Bath and Closets can help you. Maybe it's a full-scale remodel. Maybe it's just a tub-to-shower conversion. Go over to the website, check out the testimonials, check out the pictures of before and after, check out what they can do for you at One Bath and Closets. I promise you this, they're not going to come back three, six weeks later because something's gone wrong and they've got to fix it. They're going to do it right the first time and leave the competition behind. OneBathandClosets.com is the website. Again, it's OneBathandClosets.com. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Let's venture on out to the gym's firearms hotline. That's where we can find Sharif Ishak, generally heard on Tuesdays. But Sharif was busy wearing shoulder plaids and a helmet maybe on Tuesday and then had a press conference yesterday. What was going on on Tuesday, Sharif? Uh, well, we, 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 get, we get thrown into the Mardi Gras coverage for like 10 hours. And <laughs> I probably could have called you while I was dressed up, but I, I had no cell service. So I didn't, I didn't want to drop, drop in and out on you. You know, I hate doing that to you. But yeah, we were dressed up as Tulane Green Wave. Every year we do like a sports team um, coming off a big season. You know, last year we did Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones. And the two years before that, we did Drew Brees and Joe Burrow. So we went Tulane this year to celebrate their good season. It looked good. When was the last time you had shoulder pads on? Uh, probably 2020 Mardi Gras when I did okay. Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's the last time I did it. Yeah, you know, might, might not be a bad idea to have shoulder pads and helmets out there. There's beads flying around. There's footballs all over the place. Did you did you embrace any contact while all dressed up? Uh, the most contact I got was from Kendall Duncan, who was slapping on my pads the entire day and pushing <laughs> me around. She wanted to make sure I stayed up because I, I had not gone to sleep the day before just so I could not miss the day. So. That's the most contact I got. No helmets, though. I mean, it was 82 degrees outside. Well, I'm putting the helmets on. It was too warm for that. Um, good Mardi Gras? You have fun? 
Yeah, you know, this was the first year I was off Saturday and Sunday in the 10 years I've been here. It was fun. You know, nice. The weather was great. Um, I didn't get my face cut open like I did in previous years yeah. by beach. So I had a good time, man. I had a good time. Saw a lot of people I haven't seen in years. Wonderful to hear. Um, I don't know that Alvin Kamara is having a great time these days. Some videos now surfacing uh, of the incident, of a, a, a ride that he took after the incident. And there's security footage in there. Has your opinion on the matter changed over the last 48 hours? Well, the video isn't really new. It's the same video. It's just you can see you can see a little clearer. It's a little more color to the video. Yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to find. He, he, there's some other video or some tweet that somebody mentioned to me yesterday. We admit that he did punch the guy. So and said he punched him really hard and used some other language I can't use in your radio show. Sure. But yeah, you know, it's still the same. It's I still think it's the same. I want I want to see if he really like stomped on the dude because that's the thing that you know, I'm sure the NFL is going to be looking at and whoever's looking over this case is going to be looking at looks like he did take a, a big swing at the guy. So now that it's changed, I, I still think he's going to get to six games. And that's what I thought before. And I still think he'll, he's going to get six games. Now what he's trying to avoid, and you don't want this to go to court, man. You don't want this thing to actually play out in court. That's one thing you try. I'm sure you want to try avoiding. I know the guy wants to get paid, but you don't want this to go to court with video and, and all that evidence out there. What do you think Alvin Kamara's future with the Saints is? Just six games? See you in in the middle of October? I know. When does it happen? The suspension probably happens right in the middle, right in the beginning of the season. I mean, we got a court date coming up March second, so we're going to start seeing seeing something and hearing something about this case, and it's going to get solved pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, well, I just I'm curious as to it's just so out of the Saints' uh, character to go into any sort of a restart, rebuild, whatever buzzword you want to use. And he's one of the assets that you thought you might be able to maybe get something for, like in the Panthers did with Christian McCaffrey. But now you've got the suspension looming. Obviously, that hurts his value. Right. You know, if he had no suspension, I I, I think the Saints would be in great a great spot right now, you know, in terms of, like, their offense. But now, you know, no quarterback, Alvin Kamara, suspension looming. I mean, there's just like so much up in the air. There's really, you can't really get much for him. And considering that, I mean, he's got a big cap hit and salary. I mean, it's just, you know, are you going to get off that asset? I mean, if you aren't being suspended, yeah, maybe you think about it. If you want to, if you want to somewhat, you know, try to get some more trade assets for your team and maybe draft somebody in the upcoming draft. But this, this franchise hunt is never going to hit a hard reset. Yeah. It's hard, you know, like Mickey Loomis said, it's hard to come back from from a hard reset. You never know what could happen. If you think you're trying to tank for players and it doesn't turn out the players good, look at the Jets, Zach Wilson. So, you know, this, I don't, just don't see the franchise ever doing that again. Well, it's in restructure season, Kai Harley season, if you will. Uh, will Lutz took a little bit of a pay cut today. It kind of feels like they might have said, hey, man, not a great year last year. Uh, we're going to need you to take a little less money or we're going to have to try something different. Right. I mean, 74%. That's yeah. the lowest he's ever had. And it was near the bottom in the NFL. It was close to being the worst in the NFL last season. And he really struggled, especially from 40 to 49 yards. That's just not typical of him. And I know he was coming off a very you know serious injury, and maybe he wasn't just right yet. But, you know, I think he's going to get pushed this camp. He is really going to get pushed by somebody this camp. He can't get it right. They're just going to move on and go with someone else. They lowered it so much that it wouldn't be that big of a, a hit on them if they moved on from him. Sharif Ishak, WDSU, is our guest here on the Jim's Firearms Hotline. Uh, I got deked out yesterday. I'm just an idiot, and I just clicked on the NBA tab on the ESPN in the morning and clicked scores, and usually that'll bring me up the schedule for the night. So I looked at it and saw the Pelicans. All right, well, they're in uh, Toronto. All right, well, let's talk about that. And then all of a sudden realized, 
Oh, wait, the game's not until Thursday night. So they will actually start tonight out of the All-Star break. Um, who do you think on this team benefits the most from a few days off of the All-Star break? Uh, I would say Brandon Ingram is definitely C.J. McCollum. He's dealing with the thumb injury, the ankle injury, and you know he's playing through it. I think he needed the rest more than anybody. You know? And I, and I think it's going to help him tremendously. It'd be great if they had Zion back, but you know I'm, I'm still thinking we're four or five weeks away from even hearing about that. So to me, CJ McCollum. I wish that, like, for one reason, I wish it wasn't the All Star break for Brandon Ingram. It seems like he was starting to catch, you know, fire. He was starting to get into rhythm. He looked like the old Bi, but I expect him to look a, like even better than the old Bi as we come out of the All Star. They're going to need those two guys to be even better without Zion on the court with 23 games left. I think they would need to go 14 and nine to avoid a play-in. That's just what I think. They need to get to 43 or 44 wins. Does last year's run post-trade deadline, post-CJ trade, give the kind of the team a little juice, saying, "Hey, we just did this 11 months ago." Right. Yes, for sure. And on top of that, they have the easy schedule coming out of the All-Star break, yeah. so they certainly need to take advantage of that. But having been through it last year with the pretty much the same exact team. Uh, should certainly give them a lot of confidence. And I, and I think they'll feed off of it. Now, in Toronto tonight, it's a tough place to play. Traditionally, uh, it's been a tough spot for them to go and win. I mean, it's tough to win there. They absolutely crushed them earlier this year in the Smoothie King Center, beat them by 18. That was without CJ and Brandon Ingram on the court. Now, this time around, they have both of those guys, but no Zion. So they're certainly going to need, you know, another body to step up. Trey Murphy, one of his better games this year was against the Raptors. He had 26, I think, in that game. So, you got to get him going. I think they're eight and one when he scores twenty or plus points, twenty or more points in uh, this season. So they, they need him to really get going. Can't be over six like it was against the Lakers. I think it's safe to say that the the push of this team is going to come with Zion off the floor and then Bi and CJ on it. We understand what the role of those two guys is. Who's got to be number three? Or is it going to be a rotating deal every night? So once. We'll go without Zion. Without Zion, right. I think that That's you got, you've got to get JV. Yeah, you got to get JV a little bit more involved. And there's some teams where he needs to bang against guys like Anthony Davis. They should have been using him more against him. Anthony hates he hates contact. They should have been going right at Anthony Davis a lot more tonight. I know they have Jacopoto on now on their team, but still go at him. Get JV more involved. He's a banger. He's a guy who can get you buckets at the rim, release, draw fouls. I mean, I don't understand why they aren't using him in in, in that area in certain spots of the game. I understand there's some athletic bigs you can't go against, and that's why I kept it saying you need to find. They didn't get it, so I would keep that. He's the guy that I think they need to use a little bit more in situations. And let me tell you something, Hunt. This half court offense got to figure it out. Without Zion, they're 26 in the NBA yeah. in the half court offense. It is that's not pretty, man. They have got to facilitate that ball a little bit better without him on the court. I think Ingram will help in that, uh, just being being on the floor and being himself. Uh, not looking for details here, just like big picture. Uh, we know what Tulane baseball meant to that town at the beginning of the century, and we know that after Katrina, it kind of fell off a cliff. Is there any buzz there this time of year, or do they really need to st- get off to a hot start for anybody to care? Uh, they, uh, man, look, you got to be good. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football team, and all those bad seasons, bad seasons, and then eventually they flipped the switch this year. And it was like everyone was invested. You started to see the sellouts. And, hey, you're seeing it with the basketball team, even though they got clobbered by 30 by the number one team last night. But at least you're sellouts with the basketball team. Like any sport hunt, two-lane baseball needs to start winning. And you got to start winning. I mean, you, you can't cut off the slow starts and then dig, dig yourself, try to dig yourself out of a hole. And that's the issue with this team. They're, they're going to be digging themselves out this season. And they haven't won a game yet. So, yeah, they need to find a way to, you know, create a buzz around here and yeah. start winning. It's Pell City at this very moment. We'll see what happens with the Saints in free agency. Sharif, appreciate you being flexible with time this week. We'll talk to you next week. Anytime, man. Sharif Ishak, WDS. You missed the pictures. Get to Sharif's Twitter. Got him uh, all suited up in the, uh, the Tulane gear <laughs> over there during Mardi Gras, during uh, doing Mardi Gras coverage. So appreciate him for making some time for us today. Um, when we come back to close out our number one, it appears, based on some reports, we'll play the sound, that one NFC South team has decided the direction they're headed at quarterback. I'll tell you who that is next on the Hunt Palmer Show. This is Hunt Palmer. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Working towards the weekend here on a Thursday. Hopefully it's been a short week for you. Maybe had a couple days off on the front end or at least one day off on Tuesday. Just inching towards that weekend. Tiger baseball squad tomorrow will play at 2 o'clock against Kansas State. And they're going to play at noon on Saturday against Iowa, which is going to be really interesting to watch with a guy throwing 100. Uh, and then they will play on Sunday to wrap things up against Sam Houston over in the Round Rock class. Going to try to grab Doug Thompson tomorrow uh, from the press box at Round Rock before, because obviously LSU will get tip, uh, we'll go first pitch at 2 o'clock right in the middle of our show tomorrow. Uh, but we'll get you ready for it tomorrow in the first hour. In the second hour, we'll certainly preview LSU and Ole Miss. The Tigers maybe trying to win a second basketball game in a row. That would be, be a hell of a thing we could do that. So looking forward to a Friday show, but still some work to do here on this Thursday. Joe Healy from D1 Baseball with us in the second hour. A tease at the uh, beginning of the end of last segment coming into this one that a team in the NFC South may have settled on a quarterback, and that's not finalized, but uh, if you listen to Jeff Darlington of ESPN, he thinks that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are certainly leaning that way. The Bucks, from my conversations with the organization, they do feel like at least Kyle Trask is likely to be the guy under center. I, I feel pretty confident that they're going that direction, whether that's due to some salary cap concerns because they did go all in on Tom Brady the past couple of years to try to build around him. And now they do have to pay a little bit of that price. I still think that Jason Light, the general manager, is never just um, he, he's just not going to lay down by any means. But I think he also believes Kyle Trask has what it takes to be a winner in this league. And he looks around the division and he says, well, we got, we got the best quarterback in the division at the very least. Ooh. So, you know, I'm not saying that means much, 
but at the, I think that he at least thinks they can be competitive with Kyle Trask. Yeah, what we just saw there. Was Wait a second. The best quarterback in the division? Based on what? He's made nine career attempts. He's completed three of them. He's got three more completions than my cat. He's the best quarterback in the division? Huh? I mean... It's great if you want to think that. I could make probably a far more compelling argument. He's the worst quarterback in the division, and one of the teams doesn't even have one. <laughs> if that's what you want to push out there to the media, that's all well and good, uh, but I don't think so. If you feel terrible about where the Saints are from a salary cap perspective and from a quarterback perspective, the Bucks might be worse. They're in a worse cap spot. Now, I could suggest that having a young early draft pick on the cheap who has never made any poor plays on the field is better than having two aging guys who have kind of proven they're not the deal. But I could also say, hey, you might be married to a guy who's not very good. And the Saints are still perusing and pursuing their next quarterback in the coming years. But... The, the NFC South is a, a punchline at this point. And I fully respect where all these franchises are and the way that they got there. Tampa got there because they dumped everything they had into winning with Tom Brady and it worked. And the Saints are where they are because they dumped everything into surrounding Drew Brees with as much as they could. And it was successful. He didn't climb all the way to the top of the mountain, but they were very, very good for a long time. And the Panthers and Falcons said, all right, we're going to reset this whole thing. Now, none of them are in a very desirable spot. There's not one team in the NFC South that you would point to and go, you know, this looks pretty good. I, this, is, this is really something to work with. None of the quarterbacks have proven they can be anything more than below average. Two of the teams are in salary cap hell. The quarterback position is totally up in the air in all four spots. And I guess the best thing you can say about any of their situations is, yeah, but look at the other three guys. They're awful too. It's all relative. But it surprises me a little bit to hear that Tampa is going to put its eggs in the Kyle Trask basket. Now, that's not final. They could go find Aaron Rodgers. They could try to rope in Derek Carr. We think there's a pretty reasonable reality that he ends up in the NFC South in one way or another. But you know, there is a part of me that is as much as I've poked fun at this because it deserves to be poked fun at when you tell me you have the best quarterback in the in the division and he's a career three out of nine. There's a part of me that's a little bit jealous because you've got the hope that it's there. The worst part about the Saints is you don't even have the hope that it's there. They quit on Jameis Winston, and Andy Dalton doesn't have anything left in the tank from an elite level. He can go out there and give you 19 for 32 with a touchdown and a pick and 242 yards. Sure. But he can't get you over the hump. At least Tampa might have it. I think it just stands to reason that you could doubt that pretty significantly. And I, I don't... I think... I play the, the clip for two reasons. One... To let you know, as 
likely a Saints fan that this is what Tampa's thinking about doing. And two, because of the lunacy of him saying they got the best quarterback in the division. At least Desmond Ritter played a little bit this year. Drass <laughs> just sat there. Um, but it's it's a gotta be the most what's the word? It's the most open ended off season that this division may have ever had. For so long, you had Newton and Ryan and Breeze, and really Winston for a long time. But Breeze and Ryan for so long. And Newton for a good period of time. And you kind of knew where everybody was. This team signed that guy. Here's a first-round draft pick. And this guy got away in free agency. Here's what they're going to try to do. But it kind of felt like you had a reasonable expectation of what those teams were going to be. I can't tell you anything about what these teams are going to be next year other than to say that I don't think they're going to be very good. And to bring it all the way around full circle, well, as I've said over the last two shows and really over the last three or four weeks, that I just don't like the Saints situation from any angle. The only one that I can try to shine and polish a little bit to put a silver lining on it is the fact that the other teams in the division are this way. And it just crystallizes a little bit when you hear Jeff Darlington say he talked to a, a representative with the Bucks, and they're really comfortable going forward with the Kyle Trask era. Quite frankly, if I'm a Saints fan and I hear that, I'm not exactly shaken in my black and gold boots. I'm probably laughing. unless I might be shaking from laughing. But that's all the shaking I'm doing. <laughs> Kyle Trask. I don't think it's going to work out so well. We'll see. Whole NFC South is whew, not great, Bob, to use the uh, the old gif. That's it for hour number one here on a Thursday. Lots to get to if you missed it. On demand, 1045ESPN.com's On Demand tab. All the shows are listed there. You can click it. The audio is going to be uploaded. Maybe you're a Spotify, an Apple podcast, Google podcast listener. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. And, of course, you can always find us on YouTube, those of you in the Bayou Ford chat. I see you. Throw us a like if you would. We open things talking about a win. LSU basketball got a victory over Vanderbilt last night. That was the open to the show. Some SEC baseball highlights from the midweek that was, including Gerangelo Sanja throwing with both arms for Mississippi State and really impressing me. Sharif Ishak from WDSU was with us at 1.30 talking all things New Orleans. So catch all that on demand. Big second hour coming at you. We're going to have uh, on threes rankings of the SEC quarterbacks in hour number two. We're going to have Joe Healy from D1 Baseball talking SEC baseball in hour number two. And after Sports Center, we'll come back, get you caught up on my gambling picks from SEC basketball last night and what we saw on the hardwood. Come back again after Sports Center on Palmer Show. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.